we're live. Awesome. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Saturday. We're coming to you a day later to cover this week in EOSIO. We have a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, but before we dive into it, if you are new here, be sure to smash that subscribe button so you don't miss this weekly episode or any of the other content we do. And whether you're new or not, smash that like button oh, yeah. and leave a comment in the live chat if you're joining us live. And then the last thing I need to touch on is, of course, our disclaimer. Uh, remember that Zach and I are just two excited members of the EOS community talking about open source software and nothing we say should ever be taken as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. And it's safe to assume for disclosure purposes that we own any token that we mention on the show. And uh, what will happen to people if they uh, listen they to a stranger up? on the Internet? You're probably going to get wrecked. Uh, That's true. And, and we do not offer our own legal financial tax advice. But later on in the show, we do have some legal financial and tax advice from the SEC and from the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> not from, from us, people. Uh, yeah, the, the real people. So. Uh, I guess let's just kick it off. Reminder, uh, next week is the EOS Community Conference. Uh, I believe Adriana will be attending from Cypherglass. Um, there's 30 teams going to be there, a lot of block producers, projects. I know like Equilibrium is going to be there, uh, Node 1, uh, EOS Nation, uh, yeah. Rio, name some more off. Uh, that's October 15th to the 19th. So hopefully uh, we'll see a lot of you guys out there. I will not be in attendance. Um, and then there's some Cypherglass stuff still going on also. Uh, we got your EOS name service. I think, is today the last day, 50% off? Yeah, today's the last day. So a couple hours after uh, this live stream goes off, we're gonna, gonna end the sale. It's been a long marketplace sale with most names 50% off. So if there's a name you were looking at or a name that you wanna scoop up, uh, now is your chance. You literally have just a few hours left. So eosnameservice.io for that 50% off sale. And then I, I, I have to cover it out here. I'm a little bit disappointed in the Halloween's participation. Uh, <laughs> so, so there's this contest going on. We, we, or Cypherglass did it last year. They're doing it again this year. Why, why don't you explain what it is, Rob? Then I'm going to call everyone out because this is bad that they're not submitting these pumpkins yet. Yeah. So last year, it took a while until we were closer to Halloween to get a lot of submissions, too. So I think the same thing will likely happen this year. But this is our annual EOS-themed pumpkin carving contest. And we're giving away 350 EOS in prizes to the top three winners. So you can win 200 EOS just for carving an EOS-themed pumpkin and tweeting it to us on Twitter with hashtag Halloween So highly recommend you do it. If you're out there carving pumpkins with your family anyway, either make your pumpkin an EOS-themed pumpkin or just make an extra one that is EOS themed as well. So uh, I'm excited to see the submission this year. We had so many cool ones from last year that I hope we get another repeat of that. Yeah, 600 bucks, even at a $3 EOS, 600 yeah. bucks for the winner, guys. Like you could probably get away with paying a professional artist to do something really awesome <laughs> and, and ho hopefully you'll win. But if you don't, you might lose a little bit of money, but you oh, have a yeah. really I mean, cool pumpkin even... at the end that I will enjoy looking at it. Uh, Absolutely. So, so get on top of that. I'm looking in the live chat. Uh, Crux Arts just said, don't forget Vegas at the end of the month too. So I mentioned the EOS community conference that's happening next week, but there's also, uh, it's, it's called the EOS Pavilion. I think it's on in Las Vegas on October 30th and 31st. Uh, Brock Pierce, he basically rented out a giant area of this larger conference. I, I can't think of the conference name off the top of my head. ECC, or, uh, do you know what this is called, I Rob? I feel like it's World CryptoCon or something like that. Yeah, but uh, that that's another ES conference coming up at the end of the month. So if uh, and that one's domestic too. So if you're in the U.S., uh, yeah. Vegas is usually a cheap flight with direct flights from most cities. So uh, check that out because I haven't actually seen that one getting uh, marketed a lot. So I have to actually kind of help them on that also. 
Absolutely. Uh, speaking yeah. of marketing, man, we had some yeah. awesome <laughs> everything EOS marketing. Uh, so if, if everyone didn't catch this, uh, Ivan on Tech released a video that he recorded uh, last week in Korea. It was actually Peter K and myself behind the cameras for this one. Nice. Uh, so we we're basically on the Ivan on Tech uh, camera crew, but he did an interview with Benny Hakak, this the the CEO of Liquid Apps. Did, did you get a, it? Just dropped yesterday. Did you get a chance to watch it, Rob? I haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing yet, but I've seen some snippets and I got to say it's a really good interview and it's awesome to see Ivan sort of expanding that out um, mm -hmm. to his audience. I know he has a huge audience over there that's interested in crypto. Yeah, we're we're getting like the conversation's great because it's not just he's not just like talking about liquid apps, he's also talking about EOS and getting that broader exposure to 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 like Ivan's community. I saw like within like 12 hours of the video dropping it already had like over 3000 views, probably more by now. Um, but yesterday was crazy, man. In Liquid Apps Telegram channel, you actually kicked it off yesterday because you you actually dropped a video yesterday before the yeah. Ivan video for for Liquid Learn. I, I can explain, but I've been talking a lot. Why don't Why don't you explain Liquid Learn? Yeah, so effectively, Liquid Learn is a lot like Coinbase Earn. If you've seen that, where you know you can learn a little bit about EOS and then actually earn some EOS for free just for learning more about it. Now the same thing exists for Liquid Apps and the DAP Network as well. So if you head on over to Liquid Apps. Education. You can see this whole whole uh, program. Read a little bit about Liquid Apps. Answer a couple questions, and you'll earn your very own fifty free DAP tokens. And then, just like Coinbase Earn as well, there's a really cool referral program where you can send out your link, get other people to learn about it, and you'll earn more tokens for every single person you refer. And there's actually no cap on the amount of people you can refer. So, Liquid Apps Education highly recommended. A great way to get free DAP tokens and uh, learn a little bit more about the technology. Yeah, th that was funny though yesterday, man. Like we just started noticing all these people piling into the Telegram channel and I didn't like notice you dropped that video until maybe an hour <laughs> later. And then it all made sense why all these people were popping in. The, the, it's, the, it's the Finch effect, man. Absolutely. Uh, we, we just, we, I got to pull up the live chat on the screen. We just got a 10 pound, 10.99. Is that pound or euro? I can't read it. I think you're out, yeah. From Sebastian from WordProof. Nice. Uh, let's give a shout out to WordProof there, the timestamping tool for WordPress. Uh, onboarding the entire WordPress community into the EOSIO ecosystem. They offer free timestamping on Talos. They have an auto stamping tool they just released lately. See, this this is what everyone should do, man. Boss just drops us 11 bucks and we're we're talking about WordProof. It's a great project though. I think the auto stamping that they just yeah. released is their big thing so that like, uh, if you have a WordPress site or a news site, you actually don't have to manage your keys or the wallets or anything like that. Uh, the, the WordProof team takes care of that for you. And it's an amazing project. They spoke at the world's largest WordProof conf or WordPress conference earlier in the year. He, he did a keynote uh, like before or after the CEO or not the CEO, the founder of, of WordPress. All right, so that threw me off, but great project. I will continue on with with the notes here. Uh, we were talking about what Liquid Learn. Uh, so yeah, yeah if you, I, I think anyone that's watching the show probably has a fairly good grasp of Liquid Apps and what we're trying to do with the DAP network. But it's still cool to to do Liquid Learn. There is a referral program. Uh, but let, let's get into the broader crypto news. Like, w w there's a lot of EOS news we're going to get into. Awesome EOS news. Dan's been on fire on Twitter. EOSIO 2.0, EOS VM. But there's some broader crypto news that I think we need to uh, discuss but before getting into the EOS stuff. So you want to yeah. kick it off with the tax guidelines, Mr. Tax Expert Rob? <laughs> yeah, this is super interesting. And like we said at the beginning of the show, we're not accountants, we're not lawyers. Consult your own to get clear guidance on this, but we're gonna talk a little bit about it and what we think about it. So the IRS came out and issued basically two points of clarification 
around uh, crypto and, and crypto taxes. And the first is that they want you to disclose if at any point in 2019, and obviously in future years, if you bought any digital currency or any, any kind of cryptocurrency. So I think that aspect is really interesting and, and obviously not surprising that IRS always wants you to disclose any kind of purchases or investments you make. They're just sort of adding this on so that people can't just decide not to include that disclosure as well. I, but I, beyond that, yeah, go ahead. I, I think that's fair. Like, this is not a big deal. Like, to ask if you, like, if, if the question was, like, did you buy or sell, like, securities or something, like, it wouldn't really, like, make, it wouldn't throw you off or anything. So I think this is a valid thing for them to ask. But I think it, 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 it is a little bit scary for some people because, they basically are uh, making you tell the truth right now because if you lie on this, they can go back. Like this is blockchain, like stuff doesn't disappear. So if you say right. no, and then we know the IRS is launching their own like EOS nodes and Bitcoin nodes and Ethereum nodes. Remember like a couple months ago, they announced stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, mean, I, it, I think in the future, they're going to be watching always... all of this. You want to be truthful is what I'm saying here. Yeah, absolutely. One good lesson is to always pay your taxes. And that's something I've been very uh, up on when it comes to crypto. My accountant has a good understanding of crypto and how the, the laws apply to it now. So always pay your taxes, kids, even if you think it's theft. And, <laughs> uh, what's interesting is the, the other part of their ruling that a lot of people were talking about on Twitter, especially, oh, yeah. um, was the ruling for hard forks and airdrops. Basically saying that if you, for example, are holding Bitcoin and somebody forks it into another token, you have to pay tax on that gain of the value of that new token when it is received and can be sold, even if you never sell it, which I honestly think is horrible guidance. You know, I could go out tomorrow, fork the Bitcoin network, spin up my own, um, you know, get it listed on exchanges and basically buy one of the coins for $20,000. And assuming there's enough liquidity that follows, you could effectively hold everybody else that, that held Bitcoin at that time and got that fork liable to pay taxes on that potential gain, even if they don't claim it and they don't go out and realize that gain. So I think it's pretty horrible. Yeah. From the IRS, we'll obviously follow it. Um, but uh, kind of a bummer, especially with other countries that are, are sort of saying, hey, if you own crypto, don't pay any taxes on it. Mm -hmm. they're, they're trying to play catch up. Like some things that they say that they're doing sound smart. Like I said, they're going to be launching all of these nodes and they'll probably be able to scrape all kinds of data that we really aren't comfortable with. But that's part of blockchain is the extreme transparency. Uh, but that's also why we have uh, protocols like POS coming out and, and things like Monero and the privacy coins also. Um, but... The funny thing, whenever the uh, airdrop guideline came out, everyone had the same idea. Like there's a major, major attack vector with this airdrop claim. And that is that someone else, like I could create a tax burden on a stranger. I could yeah. airdrop stuff to Rob, make like a, a, get it listed on an exchange, make like a fraction of a token sale to give it some insane value airdrop at the rob now uh, he has a tax burden so yeah, pretty uh, pretty horrible guidance and i think shows that uh, the irs still has a little bit to learn when it comes to what a fork actually is or what an airdrop actually is and how easy it is for somebody to sort of give you that burden so it seemed like the sec is really up to speed but i think they got to bring their friends at the irs up to speed on this tech as well i, I saw on, on twitter the day that came out everyone was saying like i'm gonna fork bitcoin sell one Satoshi for a hundred dollars yeah. and then I'm going to airdrop it to every congressman and regulator and email them all their private keys so that they, they own them. Yeah. And then the, the, they get a tax burden. So yeah. it doesn't make it's sense. I don't wild. know how they're going to enforce it. Uh, we'll see on that. Um, Dan actually, Dan Larimer actually tweeted 
uh, that day that he said, based on this, the existence of income on an airdrop depends on the instantaneous value upon receipt. So it's basically saying whatever the value of the airdrop is when you receive it. So that's why, like in my examples, I said you'd want to sell one before you airdropped it to everyone. But if you airdropped it at Genesis, and I'll continue Dan's quotes, I don't have it on the screen here. Uh, he says, it depends on the instantaneous value of the receipt, which is zero in every case I can think of. And that's a very good point. Uh, imagine airdropping tokens. Let's say we're airdropping EOS, right? Imagine right. you airdrop it to the entire network, but you freeze the tokens for, I don't know, however long you can. They're non-transferable, non-sellable. So therefore, whenever the airdrop hits your wallet, it has a value of zero because mm -hmm. it's not transferable or sellable. So like, but that might be a loophole, but who wants to, to fight like the IRS? Who wants to fight the SEC? Like it, it, it's not a smart move. We're not all block. We're, we're not all block one here. So I, I wouldn't be taking that that risk of a tax burden. But it's, at the same time, I don't know how I'm going to do tax. Like I don't know how I'm going to claim every airdrop in the day I got airdropped. And how, how do you claim taxes on those point zero 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 one like EOS memos we yeah. get every day? Like what I mean, the they're generally they're generally thresholds. And again, talk to your uh, accountant to get you know, clear guidance on this. I am not an accountant, but they're generally thresholds. If it's less than a certain amount of money, like five or $600, generally you don't have to report that, but uh, obviously talk to your own accountant. So more, more non EOS news, but it, it's, yeah. it's going to, it's going to all tie in everyone. I promise it'll tie in. You yeah. want to kick this one off? Yeah. So Visa, MasterCard, eBay, PayPal, and Stripe have all announced that they are backing out of the Libra Association. That's Facebook's sort of up and coming platform, um, mainly for the transfer of money, but it was, thought that in the, the future, once they allow developers to actually write their own smart contracts or modules on the platform, that it could compete with platforms like EOS. And it looks like every day that goes by now, it's less and less likely that Libra will actually ever launch. And all of this started with PayPal. PayPal was the first to come out. They basically said, hey guys, we're backing away from the Libra Association. We no longer want to be involved with the project. And then shortly thereafter, in the week following, Visa, MasterCard, eBay, and Stripe joined PayPal in backing out. So. Honestly, I think it's a little unfortunate. I was personally excited for Libra to be this sort of mass market thing where everybody on Facebook gets a crypto wallet. It can onboard people into crypto mm -hmm. um, much, much easier. So I'm a bit disappointed that this seems to be falling apart, but it's also really no surprise because it is really a centralized startup process versus a you know community launch network like EOS was from the start. Yeah, it, it it's not something to be celebrated though. So we're we're gonna Absolutely. get into like why this is great for EOS, but it's not great for the crypto industry. Everyone was looking at Libra as being this massive onboarding tool to to bring billions of people in into crypto into blockchain for their first time, and then basically once they get their foot in the door and get their toes wet, they realize like like bitcoin is like the people's sovereign coin like yeah that was the narrative leading up to this so this is very sad that this is happening all of the payment processors are walking away and i, I blame regulators and congressmen uh they, they're uh, they have good reason to grill facebook i think i think it's right to be skeptical but i also think that facebook came out doing this in, in a good way with the with their uh consortium of like up to a hundred nodes and, and trying to give everyone 1% of the network. So it wasn't just like Facebook controlling it, yeah. but like th there's a massive need for ed ed education. And I think a lot of people don't understand this. And uh, it, it's, it's a setback for blockchain in general. It's a setback for Facebook for sure. But 
it's it's one less competitor of EOS IO block one EOS mainnet that that we're going to see. I, I don't think we're going to see them launch in 2020, which was their original plan. Yeah, I don't think so either, unless they fundamentally change the way that this launches from a permission system to something that's more permissionless. I think that might be the only way they could still hit that launch target, but it doesn't seem like the way that they want to go. So it'll be interesting to follow. I hope that Facebook continues down that crypto path in some way, but it looks like it might not be Libra for now. All right. So I, I plan to make an animated GIF for this next topic. Do you know that one Shaq GIF where he's like smacking stuff? He smacks like things. I don't know. No, uh, I don't know. I, All I right. saw it, I probably so, whatever. Uh, I didn't have a chance to make it, so I'll just describe it. But imagine smacking down Libra, and then the next thing we're going to smack down is the other big competitor. And once again, this is not good news for blockchain in general, but it, it, it's good news for Block One because of the their, their waiver that they received. But the next piece of news just broke last night, yesterday afternoon, yeah. and that's the SEC's ruling on the Telegram ICO. You want to kind of explain what what happened here? Yeah, so this was really interesting where the SEC came out and basically said that Telegram's $1.7 billion ICO, which was the second largest, only second to Block One's ICO, um, actually needed to be halted. So I thought this was interesting. It's kind of along similar lines as why they went after Block One and ultimately did that settlement. Um, but basically saying that uh, they sold approximately 2.9 billion digital tokens called grams at discounted prices prices to 171 initial purchases worldwide, including more than 1 billion grams to 39 US purchasers. So it's these literally 39 people that happen to buy grams from within the US that the SEC is now having a problem uh, with Telegram and that network. And it's probably similar to uh, you know the Block 1 ICO, where a significant portion of that likely came from the US, and that's why the SEC went after them. So what did you think of all this? I think, let us know in the live chat, everyone. I'm going to ask a question. If at the beginning of this year, New Year's Day, January 1st, 2019, if you pulled Twitter, pulled crypto Twitter and said, the SEC is going to lay the hammer on either Telegram or Block One, and then they're going to like let the other one slide, grant them a waiver, and let them do what they want, what, what would you have assumed was going to get the hammer laid on it? I, I mean, I, I probably would have said what would what actually happen, but I'm bullish on EOS and Block One. I think they had a great legal team, and I knew that the entire time. But if you pulled crypto Twitter, I bet it would have been a 99% saying Block One is all going to jail and all getting screwed here. But the difference in approaches here with Telegram and Block One was Block One worked with the regulators. The day the ICO ended on uh, June 2018, they started working side by side with regulators and saying like let, let's make this right telegram did it the opposite way they, they kind of did things on their own they didn't consult with the sec and they were also an established company that's another big difference is telegram was an established company going into an ico and block one was a relatively unknown i think they only launched what a few months before the ico as a company and it, yeah. it was basically a, a venture startup so I think that's a major difference here in disclosure. So the SEC said, like, when, with a security offering, for example, you have to disclose financial conditions, operations, things like that. They're an established company. So whenever you're investing in, like, a Telegram ICO, like, you have to be very clear, like, and it probably said this in the white paper, too, but, like, you're not investing in Telegram, the company. You're investing in, like, Telegram Network. Uh, I also don't know in their white paper because I wasn't accessible to me, so I didn't dig in too deep. But 
it, it probably described like the utility of the token that you're purchasing within the Telegram ICO. Whereas mm-hmm. if we all recall the EOS ICO, it said you get absolutely nothing. This coin's worthless. Right. You're not getting anything. And d- don't don't call us saying we didn't warn you. Yeah. So that, that was a big difference too. I think what's most interesting about this too is that the SEC put this out not as a final ruling, but as an emergency action to quote, prevent Telegram from flooding the US markets with digital tokens that we allege were unlawfully sold. So they're even saying they allege it. They're not saying they were unlawfully sold or that they can prove that yet. But what's so interesting is it appears that none of the Graham tokens have actually been distributed to people yet. It was planned to happen on October 31st. The SEC put out this injunction and looks like now that probably won't happen. So it'll be interesting to see how this this goes. Will they just find Telegram like they find Block One and allow them to continue? Will they require that they refund all of their purchasers all of the money? That's a possibility. Um, So it'll be interesting to follow. But again, you know, maybe a positive for EOS that there's less competition with another uh, platform, but definitely a negative for the overall crypto market and uh, really unfortunate to see. So, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if Telegram settles with the SEC like like Block One did, or if they go the kick route and go head to head with them. Uh, but but as far as the money raised and what you said about the refund, I think the reason for the emergency ruling is because according to the terms and conditions of the, the Telegram uh, network ICO, the tokens were promised to be distributed by October 31st, 2019, or they would all be refunded. Oh, interesting. So, so they're almost forcibly triggering that clause. Yes. And wow, this, this is not good, this is not good for, for crypto as a whole or blockchain as a whole, but it is showing you like the difference of like how, how you if you're going to do an ICO or a token sale, like how do you approach this? Like you're seeing like what, what the SEC like accepted and, and, and found reasonable and then what they didn't find reasonable. But at the same time, I think block one has the advantage of right place, right time. And I don't think any company could ever do what block one did ever again. So that's a huge advantage to block one because any future competitor, no one's ever going to be able to raise $4 billion ever again and not probably run into issues with the SEC because there's so much more uh, like precedence at this point on on this. Yeah, the whole thing honestly sucks. I mean, crypto as sort of this permissionless concept really it sucks that the sec is coming in and now you know utilizing their power to shut a lot of these things down i would much rather see the u.s embrace this like other countries have with sort of saying oh gains are tax-free putting in the right legislation because i think we captured a lot of the internet boom and our economy and our entire country benefited as a result and it seems like with a lot of these harsh rulings um, granted some of them are going after direct fraud which of course is a great thing but with some of these it's, it's definitely pushing people away from the u.s and sort of excluding u.s residents from this next financial and, and technological revolution. So really unfortunate to see. I'm hoping that everybody will kind of gradually correct their course as they understand more and can put together a, a regulatory framework that makes sense for everybody. And I, I think by the time we see voice, we talked about it before we went on the air, like it's likely that if they release voice in this regulatory climate that because they KYC everyone and know what country uh, you're a resident of, that they could just simply make voice tokens like earned by US citizens, non-transferable, non-sellable. Yeah. But what would be really awesome and, and where you say like all of this regulations blocking out the US from like this new global economy. Imagine if like us in the US, our tokens are all locked, but you're, you're just seeing them accumulating this value from this like 
revenue share for, for, for the advertising. And you see this accumulation. And as a U.S. citizen, you can't spend it. You can't do anything with it. But then the rest of the global market's benefiting from it. So like that puts a lot of pressure from the people because whenever the people put pressure on congressmen and regulators, that's whenever you're going to see change happen. And if voice is able to do like a mainstream rollout, like like they like Block One's kind of hinted at, then I, I think there's going to be a lot of noise from just regular people. They're going to say, "I want my money." Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. I I, uh, I hope that they can get the full vision of voice out where people can actually earn value because I think that is a key uh, yeah. value proposition of joining the network, but. Uh, we'll see. We'll keep you guys updated as we learn more. Why don't we switch to, to some good news? Yeah, here? let's There's get the good, good news. Good, good idea, Rob. What? What? Something big came out this week, and it came out yeah. the week after 1.8 was deployed, just as I predicted months yep. ago. EOS IO 2.0 release candidate one is here, and it's fast. Yeah, really fast. This is actually six times faster than the current version of EOS IO and 12 times faster Woo. than the original launch version that we saw uh, more than a year ago now. So pretty amazing to see. And there are a lot of interesting pieces that we kind of wanted to break down for you all on what is big in EOS IO 2.0. And obviously the first piece that I wanted to cover was the EOS VM or virtual machine, which they say is a high performance web assembly or WASM engine specialized for blockchain applications that facilitates more efficient use of system resources when processing smart contracts and substantial performance gains. So this EOS VM is part of what makes this whole process so much faster. It, it, it's fast. So EOS VM, it, it's, it's, a, a, it's a web assembly like uh, compiler and the way it was described right after uh, B1 June was that it's like faster than anything else on the market. Like there's WASM compilers like uh, that we have used before, like outside of the box. I don't remember between uh, WASM and, and, and what was it? Wab no, I'm looking Wabbit, at it. Yeah. Wabbit. One of them was like out of the box. Then one of them was like custom built. And then this one was like custom built from the ground up for speed yeah. and, and uh, deterministic uh, processing. So this is awesome. I'm, I'm going to pull up a link real quick. I just got to find it uh, on Aloha EOS. So if anyone doesn't know about the benchmarking tools on Aloha EOS, a great block producer, uh, you can find them at alohaeos.com. But they have these benchmarking tools, these CPU benchmarking. And uh, I have up here the, the statistics for the jungle testnet over the last seven days. So you see on, uh, what is this, Wednesday, October 9th, this like steep drop right here uh, on, the, on the, the latency. This is what happened on the jungle testnet whenever people started wow. uh, in enabling EOS VM. Uh, there's actually two different upgrades. Uh, I don't have them in the notes of the differences here. EOS Nation explained them in a tweet, but there are two different upgrades. So after upgrade one, all of the latency of these BPs went from like between four and five milliseconds or I don't know what the, the range is here, uh, the execution time. Yeah, milliseconds. Okay. Uh, and then uh, for the second upgrade dropped it from between one to two milliseconds. And then now it's sub, I don't even know, like it's like a quarter of a millisecond. I, I can't That's even like amazing. measure I mean, this speed. This is insane. Oh. You said what, a 16X? Uh, I believe a 12x from the original version of EOS, a 6x from the, the current, but it looks like that the, in terms of latency, it might actually be more. And this is the, the total execution time for a transaction. So ultimately, the less time it takes you to execute a transaction, the more transactions you can fit per half second block. So the network becomes more scalable and we might breach that 4,000 transactions per second uh, sort of uh, all time high that we've had in the past. Whew. 
so so basically it's already on jungle testnet uh we're still waiting on some stuff from 1.8 to get deployed I, i'm not following it completely but from what i understand 1.8 was upgraded last monday or i don't even know it was the monday before things happened so fast but yeah it's been a couple weeks certain features haven't been implemented yet and i i heard something about like a chinese holiday w what's going on with that rob and pretty much all the features that people are waiting for, including voice.com is waiting for with the ability for dApps to pay for CPU uh, on behalf of their users. None of that is activated yet because we're still waiting on 15 out of the top 21 to activate it. And of course, there was that big holiday in China, I believe, related to the 70th anniversary of the Communist Party. Not a holiday I can really get behind. <laughs> um, but there are obviously cultural differences there. But uh, it, it is unfortunate. This is something that I think most people hoped would be here by now. You know, it took months and months of coordination for us to get the 1.8 upgrade out there. This has been tested multiple, multiple times. It's really just a matter of these people each signing three multi-sig agreements on-chain. All you have to do, sign three of these, send three transactions, mm -hmm. and it can be up. Um, but we're still waiting on that to happen. So we'll keep you updated when that does launch. But uh, I'm hoping it's soon. I think this week, really, everybody's back from vacation. It really should get done this week and shouldn't be delayed any further. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of projects waiting on it too, like uh, yeah. like the big the big casino dApps. I'm sure Shintai, like all of, there's Absolutely. a lot of people the, waiting on this. So the POS mainnet launch is contingent basically upon some of these features being added. So there, there's all kinds of stuff in the ecosystem waiting on these 15 out of the top 21 block producers, and and definitely speaks to you know one of many problems with having basically the entire network concentrated in one geographic region. So we went from 2.0 to 1.8, but we got to get back somewhat 2.0 because there are some additional yeah. features that that were released in this uh release candidate one of them uh was actually released a few weeks ago the uh eosio quick start uh web ide uh they announced this in the release but i think it's because uh it was like secret really we, we talked about this a few weeks ago the cloud ide that yeah. lets you like launch a whole blockchain basically within your web browser without downloading anything um it's similar to EOS Studio Cloud, but it's like the block one version. And we mentioned a few weeks ago because we saw the code on GitHub, but I don't think block one actually made an official announcement about it. So this is like their official uh, rollout of it. But that's a really cool feature if you're a developer. Uh, you, you could basically uh, launch your own chain, test test your chain, and, and do all kinds of stuff all within your web browser. Yeah. Um, one thing the I thing wanted to, to point so, out as well from a, a block production standpoint, right now, uh, many block producers, Cypherglass included, have more than one actual physical infrastructure site. Um, so, you know, one in Kansas City, one in Missouri, wherever they are around the world, you generally have more than one as a backup that's geographically decentralized. But for the most part, up until this point, up until this this new uh, 2.0 feature, block producers had to use the same key to sign blocks from that primary or that secondary site. So if one of those gets breached in some way, effectively they have your only production key to sign blocks on the network. But what's cool about this new feature, weighted threshold multi-signature block production support, quite a mouthful. Basically what it means is that block producers can now use different keys to sign blocks on their primary and backup block production hardware, which just makes the whole thing more secure uh, and more usable from a BP perspective. So very cool feature that I thought was added in this, this upgrade. Uh, and then the last thing in the update was the WebAuthn support. So all of this stuff that was teased back at B1 June, we're finally getting. So two weeks ago, the, the DC Metro office was announced. So that was something that was teased back in yeah. February. And then the SEC ruling came out. And then this week, uh, we get WebAuthn, we get EOS VM, we get EOS 2.0, all of this stuff that was announced at B1 June. So basically, 
like it's it's crazy because there's so much less buzz now than there was like directly immediately following B1 June. Could you imagine if all of this news came out like around or before B like if the SEC waiver came out before or immediately after B1 June, then all of these other updates just started rolling out like so basically two months earlier, it would have been yeah. insane and people wouldn't have uh, kind of left disappointed from uh, the B1 June, which they shouldn't have been. I think we were super bullish coming out of B1 June because we understood the technology. And now that the technology is being unveiled, we're seeing how fast it is. Like the whole point of EOS IO, it's, it's, EOS is a utility token. It gives you resources on the network. The cheaper the resources is for developers, the more likely someone is to develop on, on a blockchain rather than a traditional database. Uh, because you get the audibility, the transparency of a blockchain, but typically you don't have the speed or scalability of a database. But now if, if cost isn't an issue, speed and scalability is an issue, then you're being negligent if you don't move to a more secure database in the future. And I think that's that's where we're headed here. Uh, but but we got to get the, it's still very much experimental and we got to get these uh, first few use cases uh, to hit the mainstream. And uh, I don't Absolutely. have it. In, I don't have it in front of me, but. Uh, did you see something Ramon said uh, from uh, Blockstart? And what, I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, he, it, it seemed like he was teasing new new projects on the DAP network. I guess is is what I sort of understood by the comment. And I don't even know what these projects are. Uh, yeah, just for the record, so like Benny might know, uh, Tal might know. I don't know. Ramon definitely knows, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read it because I have my Telegram up right now, but I don't have yeah. a, I don't have a screenshot ready for you guys. But uh, Ramon, I think it was in his own Blockstart channel in his Telegram channel. Uh, he said. Talking about real-world use cases, he did a reply. I can't see what the original message was. He said, it's happening already with real-world use cases. I wish I could show more than what is out there. For example, Moonlighting. But you will see more very soon, winky face. Show me any other blockchain app that is competing with real-world non-blockchain apps. It's only happening in the EOS ecosystem. So that gets me excited, man. Ramon's working with some legitimate projects. Like we've talked about this enough that I think everyone knows what Moonlighting is. There's 750K users. But I think what Ramon's teasing is that there might be some more enterprise applications uh, building on EOS and DAP network that, that we don't know about yet. I don't even know yeah. about it yet. So I'm not even like hiding anything. Like I literally don't know anything. And I, I want to find out uh, because for the first time ever, enterprise scalability is here. And th this is very exciting. Uh, and someone else who's been excited lately has been Dan Larimer. He, he was firing some shots at Ethereum on, on, oh, on Twitter me. this week. Uh, Absolutely. I, really interesting to see. Um, I, what, 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 oh, sorry, I, I missed one thing. Deferred oh, transactions got deprecated on this EOS update. A lot of I didn't see anyone else talking about this. Uh, but one other thing that came out of the EOS IO 2.0 release candidate one update is that deferred transactions are no longer uh, uh, going to be a thing moving forward. They're being deprecated. And you, you want to explain what those are and then some of the attack vectors they created in the past? Yeah, so a deferred transaction effectively allows you to, well, defer a transaction to the future. So you can sign a transaction today that will be executed at some point on chain in the future, whether it's you know an hour from now, a week from now, 30 days from now, uh, basically however long you want up to a certain maximum. But deferred transactions have resulted in a lot of different scams. If you sell an account to somebody, somebody can have a deferred transaction to sort of pull it back. Um, if you're not going through, you know, a marketplace like ENS Marketplace, um, there, there are a lot of issues with deferred transactions, even with the gambling dApps that were exploited, where people would use deferred transactions to effectively, uh, in my understanding, basically make it so only the winning transactions went through and all the losing ones were pulled back. So uh, I think deferred transactions have definitely, you know, they have their place and have their utility in apps. Um, 
but I think they've done more harm than good. So it's good mm-hmm. to see them being deprecated. I would have preferred that rather than deprecating them completely, they come out with a clear deferred command so that um, you could effectively clear the deferred transactions on an account and know that there aren't any looming. Um, but but this, I guess, is the second best option. So it'll be interesting to see how this impacts DAP's move forward. I guess this is a good spot for me to make a cheap plug for DAP Network. Uh, it's not really a cheap plug. It's actually a great solution. So if you're a developer and and you were relying on deferred transactions for your for your application, I just want to let everyone know that the DAP Network has a service called, uh, it used to be called Cron, but it is a Cron job service. It's called Liquid Scheduler. So you could still have all of the same functionality of the deferred transactions, but without having some of the, the previous like attack vectors, like some of the casinos have been hacked because of the de- deferred transactions. All right, so that's enough on EOSIO 2.0. I want to talk about Dan because he's been on fire on uh, Twitter. It's great to see him back. Uh, it was great timing too uh, because not only did EOSIO 2.0 come out, but it came out the same week as DevCon, which is the biggest Ethereum conference in the world happening in, I, I think, Osaka, Japan, somewhere in Japan. Uh, but this conference was going on all week. And there were all these updates coming out about like how ETH 2.0 isn't going to happen anytime soon and all these problems with their shard buckets communicating. So Dan came out on Telegram absolutely swinging. You want to kind of recap the first tweet here? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So Dan came out and said, it looks like EOSIO will be light years ahead of ETH 2 before ETH 2 even arrives. We're tackling problems ETH 2 has not yet begun to consider. At least Vitalik can admit that ETH and its current scaling solutions are only half-baked. So really came out swinging. I think maybe a little too aggressive. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> de- definitely a little uh, aggressive here. Uh, but but he pointed out in the one and a half years since EOSIO, Block 1 has been consistently scaling uh, the technology in multiple dimensions. EOSIO 2 is 16x faster than it was. ETH must scale 200x to catch up to EOSIO today. Wow. I mean, it is quite a stat, and I think what Dan is trying to point out is just how good their software is. Um, I think all of us within the community know that, but there are a lot with, you know, outside of the community and the ETH community that don't know that. You don't know what um, you don't know, and everyone yeah, just hears like it's a scam, it's not legit, the SEC is going to lay the hammer on them. It's all coming out to be false. I mean, like we've been dealing with this since the very early, like the beginnings of EOS, uh, like whenever we were at 50 cent EOS and it was getting absolutely destroyed and trashed on every single crypto Twitter, crypto Reddit, it's like no one's taking it seriously. But yet a- as time goes on, like the truth's coming out more and more, like the SEC grants block one waiver because they actually did things right. And they said they th- people uh, complained about wash trading and, and recycling money into the crowd sale. But yet the SEC said that there is no uh, crimes committed, no fraud committed. And in their waiver, they actually said that like there's no ongoing investigations into block one. So that yeah. basically says that EOS is, is, is free and clear here. So yeah. I, sorry. Well, I was gonna say one tweet I wanted to point out, I don't want to read Dan's entire tweet storm, um, yeah. but there are some interesting tidbits here. One of which where he says, our team is hard at work on EOS IO 3.0, which will focus on scaling RAM and greatly enhance database API and database performance. Great advancements being made here. So it seems like we might get that uh, you know, annual product release cycle that they talked about at V1 June, where EOS IO 2.0 was announced last V1 June, maybe 3.0 will be announced in this upcoming V1 June. So it'll be interesting to see. It was good. I liked him uh, sparring with Vitalik too. I, I I don't. You're right. I don't want to read all of them, but basically, uh, he he called out Vitalik on on tele or on Twitter. Vitalik comes out. He get uh, basically he's saying that the the sharding isn't going to work on 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 uh, e scaling solution. Then then Vitalik came back and said like 
What? Yeah, you can. You can merge witnesses and deduplicate data that, that gets accessed multiple times in a block. And then Dan basically said, like, no, that, that's not true. Uh, I'm not technical enough to actually know who's right, so I'm not going to actually pick a side in this yeah, fight. I have no idea. Because <laughs> I, I just think it's fun watching them interact. Let's just be honest here. I have no idea if Dan's right about this technology like being impossible oh, or yeah. not. And I have it's no like idea if, you... if what Vitalik said is right or wrong. But I will say that I enjoy watching them uh, interact on Twitter. Uh, they're both very highly intelligent people. Like I, I would yeah. not speak down on Vitalik. It's, it's just, uh, he, he's not on team EOS. Uh, and I want Ethereum to succeed. I want Ethereum to be launched in a, uh, EOS IO smart contract. That's what Dan said again. <laughs> I don't, I don't have that tweet. I have the graphic up on the screen. I don't think you can see it, Rob, but the, the yeah. uh, old coin telegraph graphic of Dan and Vitalik's with their fists up sparring. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, but that, that's always fun. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that was good on, on the Telegram that I want to pull up. Because like you said, I don't want to read them all. But I highly recommend you guys all check it out. I'll actually share the link. EOS Go actually, uh, I'll share this in the chat. EOS Go actually uh, put out a summary. Like I pulled it up on the screen for a second. But it's a summary of all the tweets. At e just go to EOSGo.io and go to their blog. Uh, you can check out all the tweets. Or just go to Dan's tele or Twitter. It's just as easy to do that. But he's been on fire lately. Who's like locked in a basement or chained to his desk or something since B1 June. But it, it seems like ever since we blew his cover on the, the digital ID patent that he's slowly been coming back to life. And as soon as yeah. uh, the SEC ruling came out and this ESIO 2.0 came out, he took the gloves off and started swinging. Oh, yeah. Um, well, almost too the, aggressively. I think the SEC ruling had a lot to do with it. If, if I was under investigation by the SEC, if I worked at Block 1 or something, I wouldn't be able to sleep. So I, I can imagine that having that weight off of their shoulders, even though they knew they were in a good position and could potentially fight it, that uncertainty looming over your head is not a good thing. So I imagine the entire block one team is now much more productive, much more relieved, sleeping much better at night, knowing that that SEC uh, sort of drama is, is, is done. It's over. And I, I want to, you're right. That dark cloud is probably worse than what the punishment would have felt like once they got it, if there was a punishment, like just the, the not knowing what what's to come. It's, it's very hard. And, uh, like we complained the whole time, like since a year and a half, two years ago about like ESVC, like not deploying capital fast enough. But I think we're going to see more of that also, because that was a big part of like, uh, the, the letter fr from the block one lawyers was like, th they needed this waiver because otherwise like they, they can't like deploy actual securities and capital. So I, I think that's going to help them. But one critique I have about all this stuff with Dan, I get fired up and excited when Dan gets fired up and excited about their technology. But I do want him to still deliver on the previous promises. And I'm talking about the governance proposal. So two weeks ago, uh, Dan tweeted something about him and Brendan having lunch or come, like basically solving a problem we've had on EOS for almost a year, how they solved it during lunch and they had more, to, more news to come. Uh, so we have yet to see this governance proposal. Uh, even back in January, Brendan Bloomer was promising a governance document that we have yet to see. So I, I just really want to see uh, Block One's idea for this governance proposal. I know EOS New York's working on theirs also, um, but I think governance is the only thing holding back EOS right now. The technology is there, like 16 times faster. Like we're gonna get 1.8 moving. Um, I haven't seen a roadmap or a timeline yet though for 2.0, and I know it's still a release candidate. So we have to wait until it's production ready. But in your mind, Rob, like what's your timeline for EOSIO 2.0? Like, oh, I think from what you've seen with how long it takes for a release candidate to the production release. 
Yeah, based on past releases, I would say EOSIO 2.0 will definitely be released in, in its final form before the end of the year, um, if not this month at some point. I think previous releases have taken a couple weeks in between you know, release candidate one and release candidate two, which is then generally the final one. Um, so I think by the end of the year is safe to assume that the, the mainnet can be upgraded by then, assuming we can get these block producers to, to sign these MSIGs for, for 1.8 before that happens. But I'm optimistic that should happen this week. And then from there, so there is a long delay from when 1.8 was released until 1.8 was deployed. And a lot of that had to do with because of how coordinated uh, the block producers and like the wallets and the dApps had to be in this upgrade. Yep. But because of this like consensus upgrade that happened in 1.8, it's going to be a lot easier to upgrade from 1.8 to 2.0. But I still expect there to be like uh, some latency between whenever it gets released from when it gets deployed. Uh, but I, I don't think it it's going to be, be like the three or four months. I think it might be like what, exactly. one month. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, I think, I think about a month is safe. I mean, like you said, it doesn't require a coordinated upgrade um, unless there's something that we don't know about yet, which I, I don't think is the case since they put out the release candidate. But it should just be like any upgrade that happened before 1.8, of which there were many. And all those went off without a hitch with a simple uh, multi-sig agreement. So it's going to be fun to watch. I, I just thought of something. So uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, but did you – I know you saw it. Uh, Block 1, they released a proposal to removing the multiplier for CPU. Right. Yeah. And then like a couple days later, a week later, they release EOSIO 2.0. So what I'm thinking is with the 16x multiple or 12x multiple, I, don't, I keep messing up these numbers. 12, yeah. With the 12x multiple and CPU, when you remove the multiplier for the subsidized CPU, we're, we're still probably faster than we were on the mainnet, even without Interesting. the multiplier. Interesting. So yeah, it's that's like, a good point. That should yeah. make up for it. Because if we had the multiplier and EOSIO 2.0, like the Rex would be even a lower APR than it is today. That's true. And I think that's part of this. Like this change uh, is meant in some ways to make Rex more attractive and more of a core part, core component of the ecosystem. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how that develops as well and whether or not that is actually implemented. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there was something else he, he said uh, before we move on from the Dan, he said something about CPU and RAM. I don't have it in front of me though. Do you remember what he said? No, I mean, he was talking about scaling RAM in 3.0, um, but I don't see any CPU comment. Yeah, I, I it, it came up a lot yesterday, the day before, because like obviously being with Liquid Apps and us having the like RAM, the VRAM scaling solution and then uh, a vCPU is on the roadmap for second half of 2019. So there's only so much of the year left. Uh, so people had some questions about that. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but I do want to say that... Um, if anyone's been following the chess challenge, we've we've talked about it on the show for for weeks now. We got most mostly Nolio, who's had the most exciting uh, Twitter thread, uh, nerdy, near, very nerdy Twitter thread. Uh, he's been building the chess app. Uh, Tal Muscal, the CTO of Liquid Apps, actually built his own version of the chess app. It, 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 he mentioned it on Twitter, so this is all public. And he talked about how oh, he, wow. he needed to come up with a solution uh, for computation for his chess app. Because if you have an on-chain chess app, how, how do you comp compute like whether or not like your moves are in check? So I don't know how many pieces there are, but there's like what thirty pieces on a table. I don't know how many pieces, but you have to like calculate all of the positions of those pieces. And if you're doing it all on chain, there's like a lot of computation involved. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing Tal's solution uh, to this chess app that he built. Uh, I've I've played with it a little bit in the browser, but I don't think it's completely done yet. 
but ho hopefully uh, that'll be public sometime soon. But uh, it's already public that he's building it and has built it. Um, but it'll be cool to have a peer-to-peer -peer chess app on EOSIO, and I, I can't wait yeah. to uh, share that with people. Definitely. Uh, there's Why some doubt we... news, though. We, we, let, yeah. Let's get into that, because one of them's relevant to you and your affiliation with Dmail. You want to tell everyone what's going on there? Yeah, so Dmail actually officially just launched on Telos, and obviously this doesn't mean that Dmail is moving from EOS to Telos. It now means that we're supporting both, and hopefully in the future can actually connect the two so that you can message somebody from EOS over to Telos and many other chains. So uh, pretty exciting, and, and we did an airdrop to all Telos accounts. Um, so you got 10,000 uh, or excuse me, 10,000 wallets were airdropped free mail tokens to use on Dmail. So check it out if you have a Telos account. If you have a mainnet account, check it out as well at dmail.co. I, I just want everyone watching this to hear this. Rob Finch is supporting Telos right now. Go Telos. <laughs> go, 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 go mail supporting, tokens. Supporting a dApp that makes sense to launch on Telos for sure. Uh, Telos is doing some cool stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, it, it's hard to not know what they're doing because if, you, if you're on Twitter, you'll see Douglas Horn popping into every thread telling you what, what's going on on Telos. Uh, they have some storage thing I, I want to read more about. Have you heard about their IPFS stuff? Um, I've heard sort of whispers of it, but uh, I'm excited to learn more for sure, that kind of decentralized storage. It's hard to keep up with everything, man. I'm sorry. Like, I like Talos. I support Talos. I support Warbly. I support Wax. I support Ultra. It's just really hard to follow everything. So we, we try to focus on mainnet and Block One and EOSIO as a whole, but uh, there are cool things happening on, on Talos on, and all those other chains I, I mentioned. So I just want to throw that out there because we don't talk about them as much as we do the main then i i don't want to say it's because we don't like them it's just we only have like an hour and we try to get through as much as we can um another cool thing that came out i don't even know how to explain this because it needs to get dumbed down to me and i haven't had a chance to talk to peter k about it but this stardios thing that they released like how do you describe this because i think so it's a, let's just read the headline. The official launch of the first global EOS-based formal verification project. Yeah, I think in my understanding of this, and it could be totally wrong, but my understanding is it basically makes it easier to validate or verify what a smart contract will do before you go and interact with that smart contract. And I could be wrong, but that's my understanding as well. It's, it's a highly technical update. Yeah, I, I think I need someone to explain it to me before I explain it to you guys. So I don't want to go out of line here, but it sounds like it's some sort of like automated like testing thing. Like you, you upload a contract to it maybe. And then it like tells you all of the, like if there's like data leakage or uh, I don't know. Well, we're almost at an hour though. So we, we should probably start Start wrapping this up here. Uh, I had one more yeah. thing to say. I, I forgot to mention Bose Core. I mentioned all those other sister chains. Bose is like one of the best ones, I think. Uh, they they released the the three second library uh, for for confirmations, so that's huge. Uh, the other thing I want to mention with Talos and Bose, they both have working. Uh, worker proposal systems and i've actually seen a little bit of chatter about this because like this is something that was kind of promised for the main net before it launched and then it never kind of came to fruition so there's still this ongoing issue of how do you fund community development things that benefit the the, the overall community and that's something cool that talos and bose has that eos doesn't have so i just want to throw that out there uh but i think we mentioned everything in our notes uh is there anything we missed here rob before we wrap up no i think that's it uh once again i'm rob finch we're just going out like that. All right, and I'm Zach Gall. And this <laughs> is everything, is everything EOS. EOS. Go, Go EOS. EOS. Leave a Go EOS in the chat. We'll see you next time. <laughs>